0: The world of work has seen some dramatic changes recently, and the ground rules for working in this new environment are still up in the air, aren't they? How do we get re-engaged in the workplace ourselves and enjoy better relationships and a happy team? Can we contribute to the bottom line and to our own humanity at the same time? My guest this week is Carson Tate, coach, speaker, and in her new book, own it, love it, make it work. She reveals why you don't have to rely on your company, your coworkers, your boss, or anything other than yourself for your professional fulfillment, engagement, and happiness. You can take ownership of your career, your life, and your happiness right now. Listen up. I think you're going to love this show, and Carson really gives us some great tips. Welcome, Carson. I'm so glad you could come on the show. You know, I I enjoyed the book, and I think it's really timely that right now where people are totally distracted and work has changed in so many ways, Mm -hmm. that we have some new ground rules, and I think that's what they're going to get from the book. So why don't we start with that? Tell us what the background is behind the term disengagement academic, epidemic, because, yeah, I can relate to that.
1: It, it is, I think, Janet, even more pervasive now, based on what you're talking about, but when I wrote this book, and as an author, you know this process, it was a few years ago, but I was looking at the statistics, and I was listening to our clients, that even in a boom economy, low unemployment, all the signs of positive indicators in the market looked good, the disengagement rate was still deplorable. Like less than 26% of the folks who were polled by Gallup said they were actually engaged at work. That to me was just a crisis point. And I looked at all of the work that had been done on employee engagement, how to be more fulfilled and happier at work, really great, but it wasn't moving the needle. We've been at this, it, you know, a one percentage increase in employee engagement to me isn't really that successful. And I was tired, also. So we have the data, we see what's going on, but I was also seeing in my own practice, coaching and consulting practice, more and more folks. They were productive, they were supposedly at the top of their game, successful, but they were coming to me. They weren't engaged, they weren't happy. And so Those two factors led me to dig in like something is off and there has to be a better way for us, both as individuals and as companies to engage ourselves and our team members.
0: Right. So let's define what engagement is. What is is the employee's employees standpoint and from the employer's standpoint? Because often they're quite
1: different. So Tina, I'm going to start with the employee, because that's the whole focus in my book, and that's where I think we have an opportunity to focus. So for me as an employee or team member, engagement means being fulfilled. It means having recognition and reward that is commiserate around how I want and need to be appreciated. It's an opportunity to leverage my strengths and experiences in a way that contribute It's about my own development, that there is a path for me to continue to grow intellectually, but also experientially. It's also an opportunity for me to have relationships at work, have that good friend, but also have great relationships with my team members. And ultimately, the way I would define engagement for an employee is about there's a sense of meaning and purpose in the work that I have defined.
0: Mm. Mm, yeah. And yeah, having that sense of purpose and that sense of, oh, this is why I come here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes.
1: This is why I come here. This is why I do this work. Absolutely. So that's what I think it means for an employee, all of these different factors. And the key point here is there's no one size fits all. Right. So- So these are what I would consider criteria or pillars of engagement, but I'm not going to tell you, Janet, be very prescriptive around what it means for you to be engaged Mm. because you are a unique individual. If we come back and look at engagement from the perspective of a company, that is more about productivity. It's about, are they present at work? We can look at in terms of Health, how many sick days are our employees taking? Um, our customer service scores, and how are we relating to our customers? Because disengaged employees, all of those metrics decline. Employees who are engaged, all of those metrics go up. So the employer's looking at it around impact on business, both internally and in their customer market segments.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the crux of the problem, isn't it? That my idea of engagement at my work is very different than my employers. They just care if I show up and I'm productive, but whether I'm happy or not, isn't always in employee engagement metrics. Is it?
1: No, it is not. And it is not.
0: And that's where I think
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not. And neither are ping pong tables that I call out. Not that I don't like to play ping pong and not that I don't think a nap pod is super cool. And I do like popcorn in the break room. So Love all those things. Mm -hmm. However, I think they're misdirected because it's not getting to the heart of what it means for me as an employee to be engaged.
0: Yeah. Engaged rather than entertained perhaps.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I'm at my job. I've been there. Let's say, five years, things are getting a little stale, been doing the same thing with the same boss, with the same team. And I'm just starting to feel like I'm just not very engaged. I'm not motivated. I'm just putting in my time. But I don't want to leave the job because I like it. You know, I like the job. It's secure. I'm comfortable. It's a good commute, whatever it is. So how can I make a change within myself that's going to make me feel better about what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so this is where you get to do that internal work first. Okay? <laughs> so let's first start to peel back and look at you. So you said you, know, you like your boss. So it sounds like there's some positive relationships and you know how to do your work and you like it. What I'm curious about is what elements of those could be enhanced So if you had an opportunity to maybe do more of a certain type of work that you're good at, hmm, would that maybe reignite the spark? Could it be, I'm really good at this, but there's a new skill that relates to what I'm good at. Maybe I need to stretch and grow here. Or the relationship with my boss is good, but is the relationship with my boss one where I'm getting that real-time feedback, we're talking about growth, she's challenging me, hey, Carson, have you thought about that we could go to a deeper level? Because what I see with our clients is when we get comfortable, that's when we tend to find, oh, I'm just not that excited anymore because it's gotten too easy, there isn't a fresh challenge, Andor or we've lost the connection to that meaning and value and how we serve in and for the world.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then getting comfortable is often in relationships, whether they're at work or at home, kind of a recipe for boredom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Janet, well said. And so we can look at kind of the arc of, of disengagement and the early stage is that oh, this is just boring. Mm. You know, I could do this you know, with one eye closed, you know, to, to you, or, and then we can move up to, I was passed over for promotion. And now I'm pulling back versus, okay, passed over. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Person who got it? What's the skill gap between the two of you? And is this something you really want and how are we going to grow towards it? You know, so I think we can look at it and we have to figure out where you are. Is it just that boredom? We need to juice it up. Did something happen, an instance that caused me to pull back or disengage? Let's look at that. Or on the whole end of the spectrum that I, I don't cover, is there something else going on in the environment? You know, do, right. do we have a toxic work culture? And that's a different conversation to have.
0: Yeah, that's a very different conversation. A very different conversation. I think um, curiosity, what I'm hearing from you is that curiosity is really key to Understanding like where you are, because a lot of times, you know, we get bored, we stop thinking, we just kind of do the same old thing and we just keep doing it. Then we wonder why we don't get that promotion or that opportunity. So, bringing that curiosity to why am I feeling this? What's going on here? Um, and then getting the feedback from employers and coworkers about, okay, what could I be doing better? Um, I was work, working with a client recently, and, and really all she needed to do was ask those questions of, okay, so how can we partner here? How can we create a little more collaboration? Um, and that, that's what I'm hearing from you as well, that, you know, it's really about how can we collaborate if we want this to be a good job?
1: Yes, and that's the paradigm shift, Janet. I think that's exactly what you were getting at at the beginning, is what I'm suggesting is that the employer-employee relationship is a relationship, which is fundamentally based on social exchange theory, give and take. And we know what this looks like with our friends, you know, you help them out, they help you out, mutually beneficial, right? And you both get benefits. And And when we forget that this is a relationship and we have an equal and powerful voice, we forget that we can be curious, Mm. that we could have this conversation with our manager. Hey, how do we collaborate? How do we look at it differently? We forget our own personal agency as well, which is if work has gotten, has gotten boring for you, what's your piece of the action? We don't go to blame Jane and any of that. We just invite what what's my contribution? It's not all my manager's fault or my employer's fault, employer's fault. I have a piece of this too, which means I can affect change.
0: Yeah, and that agency is so important with change because if we feel like we're just being pulled along by the current, then it, we're not gonna be able to enact change. We have to actually get off our butts and start thinking.
1: Start thinking and We've got a great catalyst right now to help us get off our butts Mm -hmm. because you opened with everything is in flux about work. I can't think of a better time to say, hmm, I wonder what could I explore, look at or do differently to enhance my work and enhance my life.
0: Right, right. Yeah, because the two, you know, this whole, I've always hated the term life-work balance because I don't think most of us really have that balance where, okay, I'm at home now. I'm not thinking about work or what happened at the end of the day or, you know, bringing all that home. Um, You know, you talk about uh, coming home and and talking about two roses and a thorn, you know, and, and maybe you can explain what that means and then we can go into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So um, our brains are wired to focus on the negative. So we have this negativity bias. And so that means you look for, well, that was a mistake I made, or I didn't get what I wanted here. And so the whole practice of two roses and a thorn is to help build that positive muscle and help your brain look for what's good. And so you just share two roses, two things that went well during your day, and then you've After you've done that, you acknowledge and, you know, I sent out a presentation with a typo and was really embarrassed. Okay, but you start with the two roses and it gives you that practice. And what I also like about it, if you do it with a friend or a partner or child, it helps that person, too, because we all need practice focusing Mm. on the positive in our lives, particularly now when it's hard.
0: Yeah, negativity bias can really take us over. And then once we get stuck in that, it's very hard to create a practice like two roses and a thorns where we're actually stepping past that and, and acknowledging that, yes, there is positive in my life too.
1: (laughs) Yes. And at times I've had clients push back, like this sounds a little woo woo. Like, okay, just try it for two or three days and just see, Mm -hmm. because if you know that you are going to go through your day and you're going to share with a, a friend two positive things, your brain will be scanning for two positive things versus the default of this didn't go right. This wasn't good.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and actually it's kind of daily homework, right? Just create a practice that you're going to do this every time and stick with it for a while and see. And and
1: see, and I tell a story in the book, it doesn't work right now, but we can figure out another way where I was working with a physician who just got really stuck in the downward spiral of everything he didn't do well during the day, which he helped me understand as part of their training and it's how they continue to improve, which I respect and understand. And it was having a negative impact on him and his family life when he got home. So at every stoplight on his commute home from the hospital, he had to think of a positive thing. <laughs> and you can imagine this, he was very well trained, brilliant physician. You want me to do what? <laughs> I'm like, just try it. Will you just give me two commutes before you, you know, throw it out. And what's so interesting, after the second time he did it on his way home, he found when he walked into the house, he was calmer, more positive more engaged with his kids, and it didn't feel too woo-woo. It was a really good practice for him. And it did not in any way stop him from being, reflecting on his day in a way to be critical about learning and growth. We, We didn't lose that element, but we just focused on some things that went well to create more positivity at the end of his day. Right,
0: right. Yeah, and you can, you know, be productive by focusing on the positive and focusing on the negative as well. You don't have to give it up and you don't have to be all woo-woo in order to be successful. But let's talk about a little bit more about, let's say I'm in my job and, you know, I haven't seen a lot of growth. I haven't seen a lot of change and I really want to turn it into my dream job. What am I going to do to really be able to visualize that and to make it happen more importantly to most people than to visualize it. It's a lot of times
1: we visualize things and never get there. Right. Right. Well, you're on the, the first step that I talk about with our clients and in the book is what is it you want? You know, what does this dream job look like? And I do suggest in five areas or pillars, recognition and reward use of your strengths and experiences your opportunities to develop and grow and advance. So where, what do I wanna learn, grow or do? Relationships, what kind of relationships do I want? And then this meaning and purpose. So these five areas help guide the visualization. So I would like, to, for example, to have a job where my manager says thank you, where my compensation is at or exceeds market value and is based on my performance. These are the three strengths I want to use more of. I really want that best friend at work. I want a really fun social community where I can find a friend. I want to develop this new skill. I want to be a better writer. That's for me. And the meaning for me and my work is I need to see how it supports sustainability in the world. Mm. So if you can articulate these elements, then we can look for what do you have in your current job? What elements might be there that you hadn't really noticed? Oh, you know what? We really do have a great opportunity to develop. You know, there's a, we, they will pay for courses. They'll pay for us to attend conferences. You just maybe didn't investigate it or know that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And once you know these five things that you want, then we can start to put together to your second half of the question is a map to get there. And I always suggest our clients, let's go for the easy win first. Because change is hard and we want to get that quick win. So it could be the quick win is that you take the course because you it was you found that you could select it and the company would pay for it. It's a quick, maybe one week course, couple of sessions, and then you have a certificate that you could go to your manager and say, Hey, I have a certificate. I developed this skill set. I'd like to use it more. And then you can have that conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just like going on a diet, right? If you get, lose that first pound, you're like, Woohoo, we're we're
1: on a roll, we're moving forward," and you keep doing it. Exactly, you keep doing it, and we really want to make for. For me, what I want people to know is that they can do something differently in their job and these small incremental micro steps. Mm -hmm. Most often are not met with massive resistance. So if I came to you, Janet, as my manager, and there was already budget to pay for some training, that's, you're not going to resist me. You're going to support me on that. So we want to start to see that kind of win, that there isn't For a lot of this, a lot of pushback because it's mutually beneficial. You want me to develop my skills. That helps you, helps our customers.
0: Right. And that's part of the map is to really help design how that's going to work, how you're going to work with employers or coworkers to really make that actually happen. Yeah. Uh,
1: Absolutely. And I think as when any change, anytime we're talking about making a change, it's always helpful. You've said it at the beginning, where do I want to go? That clear vision. What's my first action step? And some type of this isn't new, but accountability along the way. Friend, peer, coworker, um, it's always helpful to have that accountability person that you can check in with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think accountability is key. And if if you don't have that person. To turn to right at that time, you know keeping a log, keeping a journal, actually writing down your progress, so that you can actually go back and look at it and see you know it's really about taking a snapshot of where you are now that you're starting this and how things go over a period of time and then celebrating
1: those those changes as well, absolutely, at each and every step along the way,
0: yeah. Yeah. So what if we have a coworker or a friend who's really struggling? How do we support them without becoming their coach?
1: You <laughs> <laughs> always recommend a coach, right? Yes. <laughs> so we can put a shout out for coaches. Coaches are infinitely helpful. And um, as a friend, I always suggest asking that person, what exactly does support from me look like? Mm-hmm. Have them tell you what they're looking for. Oh, well, let's say, Janet, I'm supporting you. You might say, hey, if you could just send me a text on Wednesday, just checking in on how, how's the course going. So now you, I'm also putting it on you to define how I can be in service of support. And in doing that, you're still owning the process.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so powerful to create those collaborations with people that you work with or anywhere else in your life that you're supporting each other, even if it's a really small thing, um, you know, to really help lift each other up. And it starts to build team dynamics as well, doesn't
1: it? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because you're, you're building community, you're building trust, you're building an opportunity for more collaboration and just this this wonderful opportunity, I think, for continued accountability, growth, and support.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a little collaboration going on. We've got a little working with our boss. Things are starting to come together. And now that we are working remotely, most of us, not all of us, but most of us, how is that different? How can we be collaborating without? Spending all day on Zoom, much as I love Zoom.
1: <laughs> I, I love it too. And it gets exhausting, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. Um, what I appreciate about Zoom, which I think is important, is at least I can see you. So I was very grateful that you were willing to keep the video on. It makes it feel more like a conversation because I can read. Like, okay, she's tracking or she's pausing. I need to pause so we can talk. Um, right. but so we have to be thoughtful, though, um, because zoom fatigue is real and the reason it's real is because it's setting up, it, it's around cognitive dissonance. This isn't how we're used to seeing and interacting with people and our brains are working over time to try to process you in a flat environment. So it's really hard. Our brains are really hard. Yeah. So what I say is pick up the phone. That is great. Can you think if you were in the same community, could you do a socially distanced walk with your colleague, if you're comfortable outside coffee in a way that feels, now that doesn't work for everyone, but can we try in a very safe way to get some of that interaction that is more in alignment with how we are designed is helpful. The intentionality, so the scheduling and planning of regular cadence of check-ins with your manager, with your team, I think Mm -hmm. is very, Mm -hmm. very important. And the other thing I've been saying is that we really need to be our own internal PR agent because in a remote work world, if you're my boss unit, you might not really see me and all the work that I'm doing and the meetings I'm attending because we're working remotely. So I need to share with you what I'm working on? And so can you do a weekly recap in an email? Hey, here's what I worked on this week. Here's what I accomplished. Just want you to know. Let me know if there's anything that I need to reprioritize or focus on more. That cadence also helps stay in touch, top of mind with your manager.
0: Oh, that's really huge because that is one of the biggest things that we run into is that, you know, and I've worked remotely almost all of my career in tech and, You know, people just forget you're even there if you're not letting them know what you're up to and, um, you know, letting your boss know that you're there, that you're working, that you're interested in new projects. um, Those are really important things. So those are really great tips. Thank you. I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with right now.
1: We don't want to fall into the out of sight, out of mind, Mm -hmm. right? But we don't want to want that to happen to us.
0: That's bad. That's very bad. That's very bad. So, what can we be doing um, very proactively to show people that we're engaged? And this is the other side of that coin, without being that person who is constantly pinging everybody. We have to control that somehow. I like I like your previous thought about you know scheduling that interaction.
1: Hmm. I think we need to, so if we can just take a step back and ask, would I go by Janet's Cube four times in one day just to like, hey, what's up? What are you doing now? I probably would not do that if we were in our normal team world. Yeah, maybe. Because it's excessive. (laughs) So I think we need to be thoughtful of four times pinging Janet, if we aren't in the middle of a project or something urgent. Now there are extenuating circumstances, but just to say hi and ask how your coffee is, I wouldn't do it in real life. Why am I doing it in a virtual world? So some of the norms that we have in real life, we need to translate into this virtual world. So that's where, um, If you normally would see you in the break room once a week, then that's where maybe your calendar can help you. Hey, check in with Janet. You usually see her about once a week in the office. That feels about right based on where you guys are on your project and what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's different than, I'm going to say it again, with your manager. I do think you need to be checking in, not every day. I do believe having a one-on-one connect is important, and I'm a really strong advocate for that weekly recap summary. I think it's really important. That doesn't, to me, feel excessive, and in the face, that just feels I'm showing commitment. I'm showing you what I'm working on. I'm trying to stay connected.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and so that really is an example of Really, how you kind of unconsciously undermine those relationships at work, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What other ways could we be like unconsciously shooting ourselves in the foot?
1: There are three ways. So, the first one is you treat everybody the way you want to be treated, which is called the golden rule. Now, that has so much power in terms of empathy. Yes, I think it's important. But I suggest we use the platinum rule, treat others how they want to be treated. So you might have a colleague that when they get on Zoom, they do not want to chat about the binging on Netflix or, you know, what you had for takeout last night. They're just not interested. They want to get to the point, but you want to chat and share. Well, treat them the way they want to be treated. Hi, good morning, Janet. Let's jump right in. We're going to focus Ooh. on this. Pay day. attention. Pay attention, pay attention (laughs) to how they want to be treated, pay attention, and you know your colleagues, I mean the analytical linear colleagues that are focused on facts and data want you to be succinct and direct. Mm -hmm. Our other folks that are more relational and communicative and uh, visual and they have colored markers and pencils, they do want to chat about Netflix first and then they want to get into the conversation, pay attention. People will show you how they want to interact, right? Mm-hmm. So just follow their lead. The second one is when we start to tell stories. Janet didn't smile at my joke because she's not funny. Well, maybe she didn't hear all of the joke because her earbud popped out and she was trying to get it back in. So, in this particularly <laughs> remote work world, we start to tell stories about events that happen. And the stories might or might not align with how, with with the facts of the situation of what really happened. So it's hard, but the catch here is, can you assume honorable intent? Janet didn't laugh because she maybe didn't hear me or she was getting her paper ready because she was next up in the presentation and wanted to be ready versus telling the story about you just not thinking I'm funny.
0: Yeah, 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 and we're so unconscious sometimes, and then other times we're so conscious about the stories we're telling ourselves, or that we imagine other people are telling about us, and none Mm -hmm. of it's
1: true. It's probably not true, you know, so let's not treat everyone the same. Let's use the platinum rule, really pay attention, and just where possible, and I know it's really hard right now, if we can assume that honorable intention and not go straight to some story about, yeah, they don't think I'm smart or she doesn't think I'm funny or she's not funny that that really undermines our relationships. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's not adding value for anyone. Mm -mm. Hmm. Mm -mm. Yeah. So I really think um, I really enjoyed the book and I think that, you know, I spent a fair amount of time, cruising your website as well. And I think there's so much value there for people who are really maybe feeling a little isolated right now and they still want to be moving forward in their careers. But, you know, they're, they're having a little bit of a challenge with figuring out how to do that. So, you know, I really appreciate the work that you've done here. It's, it's been really helpful. And I'm sure that the listeners will believe that as well.
1: Uh, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've set up a page, Janet, CarsonTate.com backslash podcast but I've tried to overload with resources. So there's a quiz. If you're trying to figure out where in my job do I start to try to find more fulfillment and happiness, there's um, a downloadable framework of what I call the dream job roadmap. I've got a quiz on there as well, our productivity style assessment. If you want to go the productivity route, so maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and just need to get some structure and order, that's there as well. And of course, a link to buy the book, own it, love it, make it work
0: definitely get the book and definitely go and look at the resources because there's a lot of wonderful stuff there. And I hope that everyone will do that and they can also get the book on Amazon.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. Or directly from your website. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Carson. It's been a pleasure and, and a pleasure learning more about you because I hadn't read a lot of your work. So this was great. (laughs)
1: Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for inviting me on. And thanks to your listeners for the opportunity to be with you.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of mindful social. It's been so great to see the subscriptions growing and the feedback has really helped me make the show even better. So if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, email me at Janet at And please, send me feedback there too or post a review on the podcast platform you're listening on oh and do me a favor share this show on social media or with a friend thank you